couple members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random, followed by another that's a cover. It's Wheel of Randy. Hey, it's Wheel of Randy most popular Randy Newman podcast, East of the Rockies, as they used to say on Coast to Coast. Whether you're new to Randy's catalog, or you only know the hits, or you're a super fan, or like me, you're somewhere in the middle, this is a place for us to come and talk about the man. Each week, a guest brings one song for us to talk about, and then we spin the wheel and talk about a Randy Newman song at random. Wheel of Randy is part of the Good Trash Media Network and is brought to you by Wade Engineering. Stay tuned after this to hear a message from the fine folks at Wade Engineering. Let's go back and edit that so folks becomes folk, because it's just me. We'll, we'll fix that, right? Let's start the show! It's Wheel of Randy! All right, everybody, we've got Holly Matter here today. Say hi to the nice people, Holly. Hello, nice people. Hope everybody's fine. I, I, I bet they are. Of course they're fine. They're listening to their favorite podcast. And yes. What, what could be better? Uh, Holly is one of the biggest fans of this show, and Holly just happens to be uh, my sister. So thank you for coming on the show and thank you for all of your support and all of your comments you're you're, you're one of our super fans so it's great to have you on the big show well it's my pleasure i'm glad to be here first time first time caller long time listener <laughs> we don't get a lot of repeat callers around here we're glad to have you holly lives in i always said the seattle area but you live in seattle proper don't you yes we do okay and she uh, has been a, a big influence for me, both in, in terms of, of, of music and, and in pop culture. I remember when I was like 15 or 16, Holly sent me a collection of, of Matt Groening cartoons back when it was just, you know, Life in Hell. And so I was like, oh, this, this guy might go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> But she has introduced me to, to lots and lots of, of people over the years. And uh, I was awfully glad that you agreed to come on and talk a little Randy with us. Well, glad to be here. Holly is the author of a newly published book. And I presented on the screen with much fanfare. Da, 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 da. We have <laughs> damned pretty things. And... Holly, this, you can get this wherever you get books, right? Absolutely, wherever you get books. There, if you want to support the publisher directly, go on aquadeck.com. If you want to support small booksellers, just Google Holly Wade Matter and Damned Pretty Things, and you'll get a list of small bookstores that offer it. Oh, nice. I didn't... I... Yeah. If you... If you yeah, if you don't want to go through Amazon, if you've got an anti-Amazon sentiment, then there are plenty of places where you can get it. I uh, read an advanced copy of this. It must have been, oh, it was before the holidays. 
that, that you sent this to me and uh, oh, yeah. enjoyed it very, very much and want to encourage uh, my people to read it. It This is a book that tricked me. The first... Oh, is that right? Yeah, first 30 or 40 pages. I thought, all right, this is a book about fortune. This 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 musician that that uh, falls in with with shady characters and 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 hitches a ride into a strange town and then next thing I know no it's not about fortune it's about Maud and uh, we we have this this wonderful uh, depiction of of a a girl growing up in a big family in this. Uh, semi-rural environment and you know while this book is not autobiographical there's enough elements in this that that I as as a family member recognize okay this is what she's talking about here this is what she's talking about there and yeah Mm. I I I think I speak for everyone when I say this is really a book about Gabriel lucky youngest child yeah yeah I, I, I've gone online and all the chatter is we, all the chatter is we need a, a book all about Gabriel. He, he, he's captured the, the hearts and minds of America. Well, poor Gabriel, you know, he has long curly hair and he has a serious expression on his face. And, and that's about all you hear about poor Gabriel. Well, he, he, he roasts grapes over an open fire at one point. Oh, that's right. He does. Did that sound familiar? It sounded pretty familiar. I was like, okay, well, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 if there are going to be elements of, of my childhood that get incorporated, yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> but what, what really struck me about, about Maud, the, the older sister here, uh, is, is this, this relationship that she develops with I, the old man on the mountain. Is that how I would describe him? Oh, lightning! Yeah, lightning. Just, just the, this this mysterious, almost like hermit-like guy that that she develops this uh, this relationship with. And this is something you know. I've I've read your stuff for for years and years and years. This reminded me very much of of a, a short story you wrote several years ago, uh, Mister Pacificer's House. Am I saying that right? Oh, right. Yes. Where, where once again we have a, a girl befriending this. This curmudgeonly old man who's who's <laughs> fighting the system, he's trying to keep his house from getting getting what, bought out by the the church or some such thing. Uh, right. And I don't know. This just th- this book has a lot of magic in it. There's got a lot of coming of age stuff. It's it's just I've really really enjoyed reading the Solly, and I'm I'm very glad that you wrote it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. That that really means a lot to me. As you know, family can sometimes be the toughest audience um, because you know me. And I'm I'm so pleased. Thank you so much. We um I've I've got to ask, was this something that, that you'd been writing for a long time and, and, and put on hold, or was this something that, that came about? Uh, relatively suddenly, how did the process work on, on on putting this book out? Well, to to begin at the beginning, I really started writing it in. Uh, this is so terrible, 1998, and that was the time that I had the grant for 
from the NEA. And so this was the project that I was doing for the NEA. And what I had when I was done was something that I was completely not pleased with. So I tried again about 2002 and got most of what, uh, most of the first chapter, uh, F is for Fortune. And then I took 20 years off and didn't write anything at all. And it was, it was a really difficult time in my life um, because of just, just not you know, writing short stories and not selling them and feeling like there wasn't a particular point. And also sitting in the bookstore one day and looking around at all these books and thinking every single author thought this book was going to make all the difference in the world, and it didn't. Uh, so it felt kind of futile. And when I, when I finally picked it up again, it was in 2018, and it was at the beginning of NaNoWriMo. Now, I've never done NaNoWriMo, and I wasn't really doing it, but it was... Uh, remind it me, that, that's like a November campaign? Um, yeah. What is it? National Novel Writing Month? I think it's what it is. Okay. So um, it, just, it just made me think, well, it's time that I got back to this. Also, too, back in the 2000s, the publisher, the Aqueduct publisher, uh, Altemel Duchamp, heard me read from, from the first chapter. And she said, when you're done, I would really like to see this. So um, I thought when I was beginning again in 2018, I thought, well, I will finish this and send it to Timmy and see what she thinks. So it was, it, was, it was more from a desire to sort of tie up loose ends, round off this project and finish this project and show it to Timmy. And uh, let's see, it was March of 2019 when I sent it to her and I told the story on Facebook that it was New Year's Eve and I got an email in my inbox with the subject line, damn pretty things. And I gave the computer to Brad, said, open this for me and went into the bedroom. And he came in smiling and said, I couldn't possibly give you a better New Year's Eve gift. And Timmy had accepted the novel. So, yeah, I think I might've gone a little far afield of your question, but it's been a, it's been a long time. Of course, I have not been writing it constantly. Like I said, I took about 20 years off. So, I've got plenty of projects that have been sitting on the shelf for 20 years. That's, I think that's that right? very, very common. So I, I, I think that it has, has aged like a, like a nice, what, does scotch go 20 years? I don't, I don't drink scotch, so I don't know. Sure, why not? Sure, why not? Uh, I posted on the Praise Down Discord, uh, since we are part of the Good Trash Media Network, um, and a lot of my listeners are on the Praise Down Discord, I asked them if they had any questions for you, being my older sister. And a couple, <laughs> people, a couple people posted questions. Uh, Dollywood Square says, how does, she, how does Holly feel you rate as a younger sibling, like on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, come on. That's a softball question, Dollywood. That's a total softball question. You are such a 10. It's not even – you're an 11. Oh, well, Seriously. 
and I absolutely give you the same. You, I could not have asked for a better older sister. Oh, well, thank I, you. Thank you. I, I, this next question is from, I assume it's pronounced Waza, which it's 2020. <laughs> man, man, come on. Um, but he asks a, a good question. And uh, if, if, and you know, you listen to the, the show, you know the things I've said. But he writes, I know you've talked a bit about your grandfather in the past on your show and told some some fairly negative stories. I think it'd be cool to hear some nice grandpa stories that your sister has. So, you know, we've we've talked about Wade um, on the show a lot, and I I I loved him dearly, and he was a a, a wonderful character uh you know in, in many aspects. So what, what what are some some memories that, that that you have of of our paternal grandfather that that the audience might enjoy? Well, two come readily to mind, and they're both when I was probably about eighteen. One of them, uh, Dad and Granddaddy and I, went out on Lake Washington during sockeye season uh, when people could go fishing for sockeye salmon, and I think Dad caught a fish, and I caught a fish. And granddaddy did not catch a fish. And he was so, so disappointed. And I felt really badly for him. But the other story that comes to mind um, is uh, we used to write letters to each other, you know, being 1,700 miles apart. And I had written to him um, saying that I was going to major in English, but that I did not want to teach. And he wrote me back and he said, I understand you not wanting to teach. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I, I, I seen him where he, he did some student teaching one year and it, it did not end well from what I remember. Oh dear, I didn't know that. You know, it's, it's amazing. It seems like he, he tried his hand at, at so many things. Uh, he told me the story about the, the year he decided to get into farming. Oh, and uh, he put everything that he had into it and, and had a, a decent crop. And the prices weren't great that year. Uh, and once he sold it, he went home and, and ran the books. He said, I made just enough that year to buy a bottle of whiskey. And that's exactly what oh. I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had not heard that. That's great. But, you know, he, he was... All over the country with with uh, immigration and naturalization services, and he was just he was just a, a cowboy, you know. Oh, absolutely! When he left New York, he said he never wanted to see it again unless it was in his rearview mirror. <laughs> okay, I've got one more granddaddy story, and then we'll we'll talk a little music here. Uh, I would go over to uh, their place in in southeast Arkansas every summer for two or three weeks. And, you know, just lays around and play poker. And, and uh, you know, he, he taught me all the, the poker lingo deuces. And, and he always called uh, queens ladies and, huh. and, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, we, we'd play and, and, you know, he'd mix it up and say, all right, this, this hound uh, uh, sixes are wild. And play. And, and then I, I deal and I said, all right, uh, th this hand, ladies are wild. And he said, Daniel, your grandmother wouldn't approve of you playing with wild ladies. 
and I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh my word. How old were you? Oh, nine, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he was a quiet man, but he had a sense of humor. Gosh, he did. Yeah. All right. So thank you to our, our faithful listeners for, for putting those questions in. Yes. All right. So let's talk a little music. Before we get to your song, I was actually kind of surprised uh, that that you got so into this podcast because I, it never struck to me that, that, that Randy Newman would be the, the kind of thing that appealed to you. You know, you're, you know, what? 12, 13 years older than me. So I always saw you as this, this having the inside scoop on the punk scene. Mm, (laughs) Right. um, But at the same time, you know, when you would send mixtapes home to mom and so forth, and there'd be all this, you know, traditional Irish music on it and and just, Mm -hmm. just, just all sorts of things. Uh, But I think of all the, all the, the uh, music that you introduced me to, you know, probably my first taste of new wave came through you, and uh, definitely, uh, definitely the Pretenders came came through you. Oh, uh, right. I've just, I don't know. For some reason, that first Pretenders record has just been on 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 heavy rotation with me the past couple months. Uh, it's just something I've really really gotten into, you know. <laughs> And you went to school at, at Bellingham and, and then then later in, in Seattle proper. Right. And, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of caricature out there about what the Seattle music scene is like and was like. But uh, just just give me give me a feel for what the, the flavor is, what what you were able to, to see live back in the day. Oh golly. Um One of the best shows that I went to was, I think it was in 1983 or 1984, when Simple Minds came through and they played the Eagle Hippodrome and they were just on fire. This was, this was just after um, New Gold Dream had come out and they were playing a lot of older things plus the new things. And it was just an incredible show. I ended up seeing them three times uh, saw the cure once and the 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 music was so loud i mean ear splittingly loud that i had to go outside of the venue to listen um mostly i saw a lot of local bands in bars you know the um in sort of the bar scene and it was all pre grunge and uh grunge never really clicked with me yeah i can see that yeah but it was it was um there was a lot of a lot of variety in the pre-grunge uh, music scene, and of course, Brad's band Vexed you know, uh, were pre-grunge, and they used to play a lot, a lot. Well, what song have you brought for the nice people to listen well, to us talk about today? I have brought "Short People" to the nice people from 1977, I believe. Yep. Folks, take a quick minute and listen to this. This is off the album Little Criminals. It's the first track. And once you've listened to Short People, we will be right back. 
Man, with all them lasers and phasers and Ewoks, man, I love Star Wars, boy. Not going to hear Camp Town Races anymore. <laughs> for, not for legal reasons. But. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we are back. Okay, so 1977 this comes out, and it's kind of a, an accidental hit. His only record to go gold, and uh, in typical Randy fashion he has grumbled about that for what 50 years i saw that he he said that he didn't want a novelty record that it was like being the chipmunks yes <laughs> compared to the chipmunks. Uh, i i don't know how much of that is tongue-in-cheek i i think that that after you know putting out five or six records for him to have some some financial success you know, the only way that he could respond to that was with some cynicism. Uh, mm. But 73, I was four years old. You were, what, 15? The 73 or 77? 77. Yeah. Uh, I was 16. Okay. Um, I think it was my freshman year in high school. Okay. Or, so- I'm sorry, sophomore. Sophomore. We didn't have freshmen. So what was it like when this came out? Was this something that, that I, what was people's reaction to it? What was people your age, what was kind of the, 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 the understanding of it? Did people see through it or did they misunderstand it? I, what do you remember from you know, when it came out? I, I don't remember. Um, I remember hearing it. It got a lot of airplay on KJR, which was the AM pop music station. And I honestly don't remember the reaction to it. Um, I remember seeing it on Saturday Night Live. He, he performed it on Saturday Night Live. This was with the cast um, right after Chevy Chase had left. Okay. So very, very classic Saturday Night Live. Um, but, yeah, as far as the reactions go, that was what prompted me to do my highly scientific Facebook poll. I saw that you put a poll out, but I made myself not read the comments. So what? Well, basically, um, well, I thought, you know, here's these two extraordinarily tall people discussing a song about short people. And I thought maybe I should ask um, whether people had suffered any uh, teasing or, or tormenting because of the song. And I got five answers. Uh, one person said that they got teased, but they still liked the song and totally understood that it was satire. One said that they got teased and was were going to get back to me later through private messaging, and I got the impression that they had had a really bad experience with it, but mm-hmm. they never got back to me. One uh, wasn't teased at all and knew that it was satire. These are all people in my age group, right. roughly in my age group. One person just said that they hated the song. And uh, finally, I had somebody who said their mom used to uh, borrow their van. And every time they got back in their van, they'd have to readjust the mirrors. And they'd sing short people while they were readjusting the mirrors. So, you know, it, it got me thinking about unintended consequences. And surely when he put the song out, he didn't think of it as a source of teasing or tormenting. And it sounds like it may have been a little bit, 
I don't know the full extent because, like I say, it's a highly scientific poll of Facebook, and, and I got very few answers. But it made me think of, of the song that you were talking about a month or two ago that I think was on Rednecks that was intended as satire but ended up becoming an anthem right for the people it was satirizing and so i, um, I oh, saw that quite a bit you know growing up with uh sweet home alabama as well right the, right the, the irony gets lost in fact have you heard of poe's law i may have done but tell me again po, poe's law let me, uh, uh it is impossible to create a parody of extreme views so exaggerated that it cannot be mistaken by some readers as sincere. Yes, yes. I was also thinking about that in terms of, um, oh, I can't remember the guy's name, the animator who did Ren and Stimpy. He did some independent films with Ren and Stimpy that were supposed to be parodying really sexist kind of beach party films okay but but you know brad and i my husband and i were there in the theater and we both just got up and left because it was indistinguishable to us from highly sexist you know sort of playboy beach party right stuff and you know i think the thing that saves short people from being being that way is is the is the premise is so absurd. It's just, it's, it's absolutely absurd that somebody would, would choose short people um, as their animus. Mm. And one of the things, one of the lines, or I guess it's two lines that I love is, uh, excuse me, I look at my notes. Um, they got little cars that go beep, beep, beep. They got little voices going peep, beep, beep. And I love that because all of a sudden I'm picturing little play school peg people. <laughs> you know, they're not even people anymore. They're toys. And, you know, that's the kind of, like, absurdist uh, touch that I think really saves the song. Yeah. Uh, I, w I want to talk about the, I guess it's the bridge the, when, when the eagles come in the background and, and, and uh, are kind of his better angels trying to steer him back to sanity uh, saying, yes. no, this is ridiculous. And it, it seems like he's almost convinced by these better right. angels. And then he, he goes back to, goes back to his mantra. And, you know, you know, there, there, there's a lot of talk about it being prejudice. A song about prejudice. I almost think that it is a song about being brainwashed. That that oh. this guy has has had this repeated over and over again. And I say this as I'm watching the news and I'm watching people just doing ridiculous things at, at the Capitol and doing uh, believing absurd things instead of. Uh, you know, scientific consensus and, and, and what have you. And, and just thinking, well, they have heard these absurd things over and over again, and they've repeated them over and over again to kind of reinforce themselves in, until this is what they believe, even when they're confronted with evidence, even when, when their better angels try to talk them down from this. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're in an echo chamber, you know, they, they do hear things repeated and repeated and repeated. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's really distressing to see and uh, to wonder what it will take. I was thinking about uh, somebody in South Dakota, or it was a nurse in South Dakota, who was saying that she had a man who was dying, and his dying words were, COVID doesn't exist. And, you know, if you can have COVID and be dying from it and still insist that it doesn't exist, it's just what can be done. And they, they, they talk about, um, I think I talked about this on a show once before, but uh, listeners forgive the repetition, uh, but say that it's like the psychology of uh, when you have a stock that starts dropping and you hold on to it and you hold on to it because if you sell the stock, then you admit that you were wrong. Uh-huh. But the longer you hold yeah. on to it, the more you can say this will turn around. Uh, it, right. It, it's just so hard for people to to change what is ingrained in, in their minds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so short people, I, I've got to say this was my very first experience with Randy Newman. Mm-hmm. Was, Mine also. Uh, that was uh, on the Muppet Show. Do you remember James Coco, who was uh, in Man of La Mancha? Uh, he did a lot of Broadway. Uh, did a lot of Neil Simon. He did. He was a huge character actor. Yeah. He did a lot of a lot of shows. Well, he he came on to to do Short People, and I was watching, and I just howled. It was it was the funniest. <laughs> thing I'd ever seen and I started going around seeing it and our, our, our poor mother who was about five foot four maybe in this mm-hmm. house of giants mm-hmm. it's like stop singing that <laughs> <laughs> it's like, which of course made it all the sweeter oh not only is this right. funny but it upsets some people <laughs> well this is going in my permanent catalog yes I know, it's one of those songs that you know whether randy likes it or not it, it's just kind of ingrained in, in 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 the culture you know there are hundreds of covers of this and it's just you know like like you said with with fixing the side mirrors it's just it's just something that is in the in the zeitgeist mm. uh, but i wanted to ask you something about you you talked about whether whether this was um you know, whether this was cause for bullying and you know absolutely agree that that it was although people who were going to bully were going this wasn't this wasn't what inspired people to bully this was just a tool that bullies would use exactly um but i wanted to talk about kind of the the social politics of height uh because i i know that that you know you're a, a very tall woman you were very tall at a very young age. Oh um, yeah. And so, what? What's the reason? Why? Why are people attracted to to going after someone for being tall or going after someone for being short? I mean, what? What? What's the mindset behind that? Do you think? I think that it's just um, it's not even um, tall or short. It's just difference. 
you know, choosing, choosing a difference to um, fuel your, your need to bully. And, you know, speaking of differences, it, it wasn't so much that I was taller than everybody, but mom had some very 1950s ideas about the way girls should dress. And um, she didn't want us to wear pants to school. And she really? didn't want, yeah, she didn't want us to wear pants to school. So we didn't until we were in junior high. But uh, also, she wouldn't let us wear nylons to school unless it was a band concert, then it was okay, you know, because we were in band. And so I wore knee socks and got sneered at, you know, bullied for wearing knee socks. Oh. You know? Yeah. But I don't know what it is. Adolescents are just going through hell in, in general. Their bodies are changing. Everything sucks. So I think it's just a lot of anxiety coming out through bullying. That's my probably unscientific view of the matter. <laughs> I don't know if if you saw this. It was making the rounds a couple of years ago. Did you see the the, the trailer for the the movie Tall Girl? I I think I did see it. I don't remember much about it. This, this was something that would have been rejected by after school special. Uh. <laughs> it was just oh no, I'm the fourth most beautiful woman in the world and everyone's bullying me because I'm six foot one. Oh, yeah, like that happens. Supermodel. But you talk about standing out. Um, gosh, do, do you know that Liz Fair song, Six Foot One? No, I don't. I, I, that, that, whole, that whole record is really, really fantastic. Holly Exile and Guyville by Liz Fair, but the, the, the line is I, I kept standing six foot one instead of five foot two just just like you said she's standing out and there's nothing she can do about it um, right right well that was that was um that was something that that really liberated me to to embrace a sort of punk post-punk style was I was going to get stared at anyway, so I might I might as well get stared at for a reason that I chose. Yeah, and so yeah, that was that was a big part of it. That makes a lot of sense. They they talk about um, they talk about comedians in that same way that 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 comics get on stage because they want to to direct how people laugh at them. Oh my, it's gonna that's wonderful. One way or another, but they want to control the environment. Yes. You know, that leads me to a question that I had um, that I've never remembered to ask you. When you do comedy, do you do Randy? Um, well, the, the open mic that I, I went to in the before days uh, was very flexible. It was about 60% comics, 40% musicians. And so I could transition back and forth. Um, I could do a song one week and then then a set the other week. Uh, okay, cool. Most most of what I, I did was was straight. I don't know if you've read what I've read, but I want to touch on short people conspiracy theories. What? Conspiracy theory number one. He was writing this song about Hitler. What? <laughs> <laughs> Not my favorite. 
But conspiracy theory number two is that he was writing it to make fun of Andy Williams. Andy Williams. Apparently, Andy Williams was five foot two, and there was this oh, you're kidding. friendly back and forth between the two of them. Okay. Uh, in, in fact, listeners, with, with with a couple minutes on YouTube, you can find Andy Williams singing "Short People" at a Super Bowl concert he's standing in between a couple of basketball players or some such thing so oh wow but my favorite is and this is how the eagles got involved is that it's making fun of the eagles manager because he was apparently five foot four. Oh, huh but i think it's one of i think it's one of those things where where periodolia you know people are looking for for a, a pattern whether it's there or not that people love to come up with mysterious reasons why the song gets sung well until i look it up looked it up i i wondered if randy newman was a short person himself but no he's six foot tall so that kind of that kind of took care of that and this song got banned in some cities oh wow Uh, the 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 radio stations in boston refused to play it uh and then uh someone in, in a state legislature actually uh made a statement condemning it on on the legislature floor so it it got under some people's skin and and uh the washington post wrote a a great article about the album in general to say uh, if you look at the other songs on this record you'd think that people would be more upset about them we have a a a a child serial murderer getting his own song on this but people are upset about short people okay I guess I'm going to have to listen to the whole album. Huh. It, honestly, it's not my favorite. Really? Yeah, okay. Wampus gets upset every time I say that. But, you know, like in Germany before the war, you know, not just, it's just not my thing. I, huh. I'm happy that it sold well and there are songs on it that I enjoy. But, you know, it's, it's just it's not my favorite. Hmm. And when, whenever I say things like that, then the super fans get, get upset and say I, I obviously don't understand the music. Oh. If, if I if if I have any criticism of the man, then I'm just an unwashed, unintelligent person. So it just doesn't oh, dear. Oh dear. So, gotta be careful of the fandom sometimes. Any other comments on short people before we start spinning? Oh gosh. Um no, I don't think so. I'm I'm itching to spin. All right. Well, here it comes. When I said I have new bumpers, I didn't mean that I'm singing bumpers each time. Folks at home, you can play along. You can spin the wheel yourself. All you have to do is go to our Twitter page, at Wheel of Randy, and the pinned tweet will lead you to the wheel itself. Can you see the wheel there, Holly? I can. All right. So just give me a stop and we'll see what it lands on. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel of Randy. Okay. One, two, three, stop. We have landed on Rosemary and uh, Mike McVeigh will be very glad that for once we didn't land on a song that we've done a million times. So this one's for you, Mike. <laughs> okay, folks, this is off of Randy's second album called 12 Songs. And 
Holly and I are going to listen to that, and we will be right back. You know, Randy Newman is one crazy, ugly white man, and he made me learn 12 songs today. Are we back? And we're back. All right. Two, two minutes and 10 seconds of, of Rosemary there. First impressions. I have, but first impressions, he's really horny. Yep. Um, and he's unsubtle about it. And um, it's it's kind of a sweet song. Um, he, he gets a little crude about it, but it's still kind of sweet. Um, one thing, I don't know if this was an artifact of my phone speaker is there a vocoder in that song well there's not but i can see where you would because it, it's that that baritone sax gets real low and, and um, real vibrating there so yeah okay uh, that's what it is then. yeah um but yeah you know it's a, a balcony love song you know there 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 have been a million of them uh He's throwing rocks at the window. Yeah. And Rosemary is one of the, the few, there are plenty of, of Randy songs that are girls' names, but it's one of the few that it ends well for the title character. Rosemary doesn't die like most of the uh, oh, most of the name songs. So I always tell people, don't if you're making a mixtape, don't just grab every song that has the girl's name in it. But I, I I love the uh, I love the arrangement here that we've got uh, two sets of horns going back and forth here. We've got the, got the that baritone sax just kind of grinding along the whole time, and then we've got mm-hmm. the, the, the horns doing kind of a counter melody through it. Just a lovely little song by a, a young man who is trying to get someone else to buy his song and sing it so that he can make some money. That's all that 12 songs was. He's just putting it out there so that real singers. Oh, is that right? Yeah. But, uh, Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. That's Rosemary. This week's cover. There are plenty of covers of, short people out there, but my absolute favorite is by Jan Rott, the uh, Dutch uh, singer who has that whole Randy Newman album. And his song is the Dutch for short people. It is called Minkukels. Oh, come on, Chaka Khan. That was the old school Randy Newman. Let's check out the new Newman. I guess you can't say beep, beep, beep in Dutch. So he goes with (laughs) wah, wah, wah. (laughs) That was so fun. I think he's playing almost at double time. It's like a four-minute song that he packs into 147 there. Yes, like the Minutemen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that we're first people to ever compare the Minutemen to Young Rock. (laughs) He's a good sport, and he <laughs> follows us, so I wanted to give him a shout-out, and uh, maybe I can oh, practice my Dutch and have him on the show sometime. Holly, you're the best. Thank you so much for doing this. What's the best way that, that people can get your book, and what's the best way for people to, to, people to get hold of you? 
Well, I've got kind of a half-assed Twitter account that's Hollywood Matter. Um, I have a moribund uh, neighborhood history. Oh, what do you call it? Blogger. Anyway, if you if you Google Hollywood Matter, it'll come up eventually. Um, and my Facebook is mostly private, yeah. so that's not really a great place to get a hold of me. But just Google me, and you'll find me somewhere. And once again, the book is called. It's damned pretty things. I know it took twenty years, but I want you to know that uh, it was worth it. And now, now's the time for you to to enjoy the fruits of it. And, uh, well, thank you, you so deserve, much. I'm deserve so the for that. Thank you. All right, I think that's it. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks for taking a spin, Holly. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, we did it. We got through another week here at Wheel of Randy. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network and are brought to you by Wade Engineering. Thanks to our guests today for sharing their time with us. Thanks to Matt Farley for our theme music. You can catch more of Matt's songs at moternmedia.com. That's M-O-T-E-R-N. Our artwork was designed by Brian Mays. And Brian can be reached on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. The background music you're hearing right now is Rock and Gravel by Sid Valentine's Patent Leather Kids. And I'm using it because it's public domain. Speaking of public domain, the Camp Town Races bumpers that you're hearing are sung by Tom Sharpling because he likes to make fun of that song being public domain. Technically, he could sue me, but Tom's a nice guy, I suppose. As I said, Wheel of Randy is brought to you by Wade Engineering. That is my day job. I'm a civil engineer licensed in Oklahoma and Texas, and I focus on water, wastewater, stormwater, and land development. Most of what I do, though, is water. I build computer models for water distribution systems, and towns and fire departments use that to figure out where their next line needs to go, where their next tower needs to go, and then when the fire department gets audited by, audited by the insurance people, they just show them my model to show, yes, our hydrants really work. It's a huge time saver. If you are a mayor or a fire chief, you know, we should really talk about how Wade Engineering can save you a lot of money. If you are a concerned citizen who's got the ear of a mayor or a council person, what I'd suggest you do, ask them what your town's ISO rating is. You want it to be a low number. You want it to be one or two, maybe three. If it's anything higher than three, then you guys need me because you're paying way too much for your homeowner's insurance. Wade Engineering can be reached at 405-426-7634. That's it for this week. See you next time. Bye. It's Wheel of Randy.